Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Lift Effect podcast. I am your host, Matt McNeil, founder, clinical director, and director of human performance at Lift Effect, where we assist professional pilots with maintaining better mental health and optimizing their mental skills. The goal of this podcast is simple to help pilots and other high liability professionals and disciplines come out of the shadows to discover how we can live better lives personally and professionally. Join us each episode as we discuss various topics ranging from mental health, mental skills and performance, to business, entrepreneurship, and a few other surprises along the way. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Lift Effect podcast. My name is Carl Keller, and I'm your host. Along with me is the star of the show, as always, Matt McNeil, that shining star of pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say on the hill. I laugh every right time morning. I hear that. <laughs> like, how should I introduce this guy? I, I know I'm going. You know, this, we'll he's like, that. let's get the let's bring the clown out. The man, the myth, the legend. You know, yeah, no, no legend. Myths are, there's a lot of myths out there. There's some funny <laughs> ones. I, man, we could probably do a show on some of the the crap that has been made up about Lift Effect and about the, the work that I do. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Well, stuff that you know, I've heard. Insane. I would love, do you have a couple you want to throw out right now or you want to <laughs> wait for a future time to put um, them all together? Oh, I, I'm. I probably should consult my attorney before I bring this stuff. Oh, there you go. And plus, I there's already some, know there's some really, really funny, funny ones that have spread at like, um, un, like union, especially in the union, <coughs> among like some support programs out there that, um, you know, peer support programs. Like, there's just been some really funny, like, you know, ideas about like what lift effect is doing and what you know people that work at lift effect and mad and oh i i, yeah. I do remember you telling me about some of the people that supposedly work at lift effect that yeah right right like you know those I imaginary i didn't know i employed a psychiatrist because i i wasn't aware i had one on staff you know um because i don't but just <laughs> super funny you know funny stuff you know pretty funny stuff like mental health and mental performance is so like stigmatized at the airlines and it's stigmatized with, you know, physicians and attorneys and almost everywhere, it everywhere. Like it's, it's so much stigma that there's like this, you know, the more you try to like, the more actual, you know, work that you do that actually helps people, the more shit you get, um, you know, about what you're doing. It's like, it's almost, you know, you're doing something right when, when there's like a big backlash against what you're doing, which is just interesting. I mean, there's a lot of dynamics around why that is. We could probably get into, but anyways, I don't even know how we ended up here, but it's pretty funny. I'll, I'll come up with the, I'll, I'll drop a few at some point. I'll come up, you know, with some funny, funny things that we've heard, you know, apparently I've got a, you know, a third hand or something. I don't know. It's like, you know, it's nice to be able to interject some levity and some humor and not make this such a serious topic because unfortunately mental health is a very serious topic 
you know, it's not something to laugh at lightly, although right. uh, sometimes humor is a really good form of medicine for people to um, to make sure it's a it's a it's part of their medic- medicinal toolkit, I think, really. Well, if you yeah, we don't humor do enough of it sometimes. I agree. You got if you, like sometimes it's only funny, you know, if you don't laugh, you're just probably going to cry. Um, and, and it's only funny because it's true. And like humans, we're such goofy creatures. I mean, we, you know, why do we have, there, there's reasons we have these problems that other species don't. And it's, it's, it's sort of our greatest genius and it's our biggest downfall is we have got these brains that are just capable of, of doing so much, but creating so much chaos um, and craziness in our lives that there's, it, it's at some level, it, 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 there is some humor to it. It's yes, it's very serious, but we're goofy creatures. And as pilots, pilot, <laughs> you know, we are like, <laughs> it's every profession's probably got their, their own unique idiosyncrasies, but pilots are a squirrely bunch. We are, I would say bunch. as professional as we are in the cockpit, <laughs> Outside of the cockpit is kind of sometimes a different animal. It's a different um, thing. It's it a is. thing. It's, it's a, a thing. thing. It definitely is a thing. Yeah. And but you know what I think is it just without getting political because we're this is yep. not a political um, mm-hmm. uh, based podcast. Yep. Today's environment has made it more difficult. I think to oh, yeah. to use humor as a tool because we take everything so literal and people get offended. Yep. Uh, by what's said, because, you know, uh, people are always kind of going, well, I don't know if I should say that I'm going, well, you know, it's me, like, it's me, like a big comedian. I mean, it's not what you say, it's the context and what it is said. And so when people just need to be able to go, you know what, laugh, smile, yes. interject something right. that doesn't depress the daylights out of you. And even if it's just a second or five seconds, that that's the road that you have to start walking on. I don't think things are black and white. This is good. This is bad. Like it's not, it's not that way. It's of gray. Are, yeah. And there are things that, I mean, things that need to change that have needed to change for a very long time. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Part of what's created some problems though. And there's really good research around this is the level of fragility is off the charts. And if you want to, if you want to read a great book, um, who wrote this book? I just read the book. It's sitting upstairs on my bookshelf. Um, oh, Coddling of the American Mind. Read that book. It's it's all based on research and science of like what has happened to what what have we done to our kids? And we have, you know, convinced everybody that the world is just totally unsafe in every way. And we need to, you know, protect everybody. Every kid from everything. Don't let them go to the bathroom by themselves because something could happen. Don't let them go to the mall because uh, they could get kidnapped. And there's there's the boogeyman around the corner, even though statistically that's bullshit. It's like safer now than it ever was. You know, this fragile environment of like, we can't talk about things. Look, the flight deck, you don't talk about religion and politics in the flight deck because it's a safety critical environment. And it's so heated that if there's disagreement, oh, while you're trying to perform your job, that's a, a breach of safety at some level, which is why I never talked about religion and politics in the flight deck. You know, especially if there's disc, if there's, you know, opposing, I guess, uh, viewpoints on it, 
it's not a good place to do that. There's, there's, there's a better place to talk about it. But to say we just can't talk about anything because people might get their feelings hurt. Um, there's ways to have conversations respectfully, but I think we've really created a a, a terrible environment um, where everybody just you know gets to cancel each other out because they just disagree about something. Um, certainly, there are you know things have changed for the better in many respects. For certain groups of people, it's really changed, and how and and, it, and it's been a better thing. I've got a daughter, um, you know. It's not always been easy for that, but this like we can't have a conversation because somebody might disagree and they'll be so offended that uh, you know I I want to I want to take you down um, is is not I don't think it's leading to good things I don't think it's the world that we actually want to live in so that's enough about that what do we I got do want, I do <laughs> want to add one last thing on yeah. this and. Um... I try to look at the different um, news outlets, you know, both domestic and international. Yeah. So I try to get a perspective of things because I, I want to be able to talk intelligently to my children. But I heard something from a uh, from um, a contributor that happened to be on CNN and his name is Van Jones. And he was talking about um, safe spaces and safe places. And he was talking about and I thought it was a, a great statement. He said, people need to have a physical safe place if they feel physically threatened, yeah. you know. Uh, but he said, in many cases, so many of the younger generation he was particularly talking about in this yes. case, have, have used that as a tool to use it, in, uh, even when it's just about just conversation and yes. go, well, I don't feel safe anymore. And he goes, life, is, life, has, life does have conflict. And being able to deal with it and deal with different differences of opinion without feeling like as soon as someone starts talking that you want to say, uh, raise the safety flag and go, we can't talk. Right. Or that I have it's, to this has happened at, This has happened at college university campuses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some like University of Chicago has taken a stand um, where they're, I think their president of the university said, this is not, this classroom is not a safe space. It, it's, we are going to talk about hard things. And we need uh, to if you if you want a safe place, go form your own club and that that has its own rules. You can do that. That's fine. But we've got to talk about difficult things. We can do it in a respectful and caring way. And in a, and we can do this compassionately, but we got to talk about difficult things. And, I, you know, Lift Effect, when I started Lift Effect. I was told you are never going to be able to do this. No one, no pilot is ever going to talk about mental health. No airline is ever going to let a pilot talk about mental health. No union is ever going to do anything to help a pilot with mental health. We're only going to use peer support and that's it. I was, I mean, I was thrown out of every room. I was threatened. And I basically said, fuck you. I'm doing it anyways, because it it matters. And so I, I'm very comfortable with, with not being comfortable. Uh, I mean, I spend my living doing that with people is, you know, helping them navigate the discomfort to be able to break through to the other side. So, but I, I agree. We we can't just, you know, stay, yeah, physical safety. Yes. You need to have physical safety, but like, I don't, I don't agree with this. This isn't safe. This is creating 
more problems. It, 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 it's almost like it drives people to not talk about things. Yes. Uh, in, in many well, they're ways. worried about getting sued or worried yep. about getting canceled or worried about, you know, and, 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 you know, it's, things have to change things. I, and I think there's some good things that have changed too. Um, you know, it's not all, it's not all good or bad. It's not like, you know, there's some, you know, some progressive things, there's some good things about it. And there's some things that aren't good about it. Conservative things. There's some good things about it. There's some things that aren't good about it. So uh, we didn't, sorry, I'm involved dinging here today. <laughs> You're a busy guy, uh, man. Well, um, we didn't mean to get off down the rabbit hole. We were talking about laughter and humor, but it does take, it does have a serious implication uh-huh. with things. So it, it, it is worth mentioning. I agree. Um, I tell you what, why don't we uh, take uh, one of our listeners questions and I'll throw it at you. Cool. And uh, you take it where you take it. Mm-hmm. Um, the listener said, I love the podcast on mindset as a one twenty one instructor. I see the importance of this. Can you talk more about the practice application using mindset training to enhance performance in the flight and training environment? So what do you do as an instructor? You're in a position of teaching, of of helping people navigate that, you know, the environment of of learning and of evaluating uh, where mindset is huge. I mean, we've made the case that mindset is there's either fixed or growth. Um, Fixed is problematic because... It doesn't, um, well, go back and listen to, I don't even want to open that up because I'll talk for the next hour on that, which is not, not the question. So what are some things you can do as an instructor? Your first thing is you've got to talk the talk and walk the walk. It separates the, the authentic, the actual talented from the ones that probably shouldn't be there. You can't train something if you don't actually do it yourself. So it's really important that you talk the talk. You know, study after study has demonstrated that having a, a a growth mindset is imperative to long-term success. And there's no way around that. And so if you don't have a growth mindset, if, if you're an instructor that's got a very fixed mindset with even how you approach training, then it's going to be difficult to get people to grow with their mindset. You've got to be able to demonstrate that. It seems like there's two parts to this that you're kind of setting up. One is what the, in in this case, the instructor needs to do in this case, walking the walk. Yeah. I want to approach the instructor. I'm going to tell the instructor how to do this, not the student. That's how, that's my, is that okay? Can I, I I thought you were, I I guess I was, uh, I I took this as what are the things that the instructor needs to get themselves prepared for? And then what tools do they want to give the uh, student? That's what I mean. Yeah. I want to approach it from an instructor mindset. Okay. Because um, I've been an instructor and I mean, I, I teach for a living. That's what basically, you know, I'm a firm believer in it. So I'm from the instructor's point of view. What do you got to do? You got to talk the talk, which is why you're listening to the podcast and why you're answer, writing in the questions. So right on high five to this uh, man or woman who sent the question in. Um, so second is you got to be able to verbalize elite mindset in your instruction. Um, so a few ways you can do this. One is, is be aware and on the, the lookout for a, um, for a fixed mindset voice among your students. How, what would you look for, Carl? If you like, how would you be looking for that sort of fixed mindset voice? 
what would some of the things they could and students could be saying that indicates they're in a fixed mindset voice? Boy, talk about something throwing that, my back at me. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't prepared for that. Um, boy. How about old dogs can't learn new tricks? I think that was me you're talking about now. Um, but it, 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 I feel like when I think about things like, oh, there's no way I can do this. Or this this just seems like a... a this seems like a, a something that I, I, I can't learn, or I'm not I'm not good enough for this. Not good enough. And, and that's and that was something. And when I was an instructor, I felt like even if they didn't verbalize it, it was always that yeah. lack of self confidence, and they would they would express it in multiple ways. Yeah. But it all came down to, like, this is I, I'm in, I'm in over my head, and and I shouldn't be here. Correct. Thing, even though they want to be there, they 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 feel like okay, I don't deserve to be here. I don't know how I got here. I want to be here, but I don't know what. And to that's do. a big problem with a lot of like you know people are getting up to the airlines with very little experience, um, and so more so a, now than I think ever, ever, ever upgrading in a I year. Mean, I thought at the, a major. The, I mean, I thought on. the mid nineties were were a heyday time. This mm, is this is it. This this is crazy. So and and it's pro. It's, there's problems with this. This is a very bad idea. We can talk about that later. So with new students, you know, people that are inexperienced, if they're going to feel like they are, you know, imposter syndrome, way out of their depth, because many of them are, but regardless, your job is to train them. You got to get them up to speed. So the first thing I would be looking for is hearing that voice of fixed with the older guys. It's uh, old dogs can't be taught new tricks. You know, it's the way I've, I'm old school. I hear that too. I'm old school. Look, there's some good stuff out of experience. hundred percent. You need that. But when it becomes like, I'm not going to learn anything new or approach this differently, that's a fixed. So what you can do in that, in that is, is so how do you overcome that? Some people are going to be like, screw you. I don't care. I'm fixed. I'm just going to get through my training event and that's it. Then it's kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'll just either you pass or fail. I don't, I don't really spend a lot of time on those kinds of students. I want to work with people that want to grow. If you don't want to grow, go somewhere else. And I would say too is instructor, come get some training on uh, mental. We've got a, a course, uh, mental skills for flight and ground training performance. It's not just for people that are having a, a hard time getting through their check rides. It's also for instructors to, to be able to do some of this coaching with their students. So come and take the course for God's sake. It's the best way to do this. We'll teach you all of this. I would be looking for that mindset. And then the, the, I would ask the magic question, is that thought elite or average and fixed. I just think of fixed as average, it's average elite is growth and pilots. We, we don't want to be average. We want to be elite. That's in our cloth. That's in our DNA. And so, you know, this is, that's a very, um, is that thought you're having elite or, or is it, is it, is it, uh, average? That's a really powerful place to start. And then it's follow-up is, is, how could we make that elite? How could we go from average to elite with that thought? Get them to tell you. It's amazing how well that works. When somebody makes a comment that's negative around their training, it's important to try to help them flip that over. How do you turn it from negative into a positive? Like that little critical voice in your head that's telling that you can't do something and, and turn it into, in, into a positive by replying with a, uh, um, like a, a growth mindset approach. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Or a learning, uh, a mentoring yeah. moment. A, a, if it was a negative experience, use it as a, as a, as a way, like you say, to grow from going, okay, you've learned how not to do things or what can happen when things don't go right. Yep. Okay. So now that's in your tool. You, you won't be surprised the next time you start seeing those things. Yeah. Because if everything works perfect, I think that's a, that is even more dangerous because it doesn't set, you're not prepared for the, when things don't, if everything was always worked the way it's supposed to, yes. you gotta, you gotta be able to handle adversity or, or the unexpected. And I think what you're demonstrating with these techniques is that if you're going to talk the talk and walk the walk, this is how you do it. You know, listening for those voices and, and calling it out and saying, how could we go from average to elite and let's turn this negative and let's flip it up upside down and, and work from a, a growth perspective, which is like, let's, you know, turn it into maybe a positive, but like, where, where can we, where can we grow from this instead of die from it? That's the first thing. You got to talk the talk. You got to walk the walk. Second is you've got to be able to provide feedback that, um, you know, elite mindset feedback. And so the most important thing is avoid phrase by talking about ability. That's, that is so fixed and so average ability, ability. I never talk about ability, not with my kids. Not I never do with students. I don't do with my clients. We don't talk about ability. We talk about effort. Effort matters. Ability doesn't. And using comments like "well done," um, you're really good at that. You've really, you know, that that is um, it's it's pretty average and it's not helpful. And it leads into this. Okay, I just have the skill which is fixed. I've got it. You either got it or you don't. Effort is what matters. And it's the process orientation versus the outcome. Effort is, okay, you really, uh, you really worked hard at that. You've obviously been working hard and it seems like it's paying off. Look at how you've improved from session to session. Let's look at the improvement that you've made. Let's, let's talk about where you need to continue to grow, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. And you, you, Here's the error, here's the correction, and then dump it. And the worst thing that instructors do is they just go on and on about an error. That's like, it, from a neuroscientific perspective, you're actually making it worse because there's ways that we learn. Remember when you were a basic instructor, the laws of learning, readiness, exercise, effect, primacy, intensity, recency. See, those are real things. And harping and, and sitting there on an error, all you're doing is actually integrating that into their psyche. <laughs> you want to address the error, provide the corrective action, and then and then get it out of there as quick as possible so that they don't in integrate it. And you want to be able to acknowledge the effort that they put in that res that was a you know had a good result. When I was an instructor. <clears throat> Well, before I really uh, gained the insight into the things we're talking about now, I I did talk about ability, but I used it in a different way. Uh, and and I'm, I think this was, I think I was walking down that path, or at least part of it without totally understanding all of it. But I would say, hey, you have the ability, you have all the skills you need, but if you don't put forth the the effort and the time all this, it's like, it's like potential energy versus kinetic. You, you, you can have all the potential, 
But if you don't put it into use and work at it and put in forth that effort, it, it's you, it's just going to sit there. It's not going. You're not going to just because you're the smartest guy in the room doesn't mean anything if you don't put forth the effort to be able to use that intellect and and apply it and grow from it. And See, that was kind of the that was the way I had approached it back then. Here, here's the problem with providing praise. Well, I would say here's the problem with you know talent and inborn ability. You can't control that. I mean, you're seven feet tall. You're seven feet tall. Could you control that? No. You just got faster twitch re, uh, re response muscle. You can't control that. You can take G's. You know, some people just can hold pull G's better than others. Some people just can't handle them. A lot of that is just you. Just there's not. And this is about control. You don't focus on things that you cannot control. That is wasted time and it's wasted energy. And the problem with focusing on inborn inborn talent and ability is that's not something that they can control. But effort and the your ability to stay in the process, that is something you do have the ability to control. And that's why you focus on that. Focusing on what you can't control is a, a complete garbage waste of time. And that's why you do not want to focus on inborn talent. You only focus on effort and the ability to stay in the process. The outcome is the outcome. Like if, if you actually put in effort and it yields a good outcome, that's great. If you put an effort and it doesn't yield a, a good outcome, that's just part of the game. You got to figure out how to make some tweaks and maybe you've got to put some more effort in or you, maybe you need more time. But you do not praise things that are just inborn that have that where there's no locus of control. You only focus on things where you can have control. I get and and just to go down that rabbit hole just a little bit more. I guess when I was saying it, uh, and I would even look at it even now more so, it's not so much to give praise, but it's like to put a it's to put a a, a baseline because like uh, I have I have I have five children and one of them has challenges, special needs, and you know what was the difference between one of them and the other. As far as you, you're right, I couldn't control it. That that they one was give was unfortunately handed a, a, a greater challenge than the others based on on yep. what they they had. The point I was trying to make is is just because you have those things means nothing if you don't don't put forth the effort to to, yes. to utilize what you have. Just because you have it, and because by the time I received them as students, they were in their twenties. So they'd had 20 years of people talking about, or they had, you know, you know, people say, Hey, yeah. you've got all the potential. You've got all okay, great. We've established you have it. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? You know, because um, I think I gave on, on one of the last, on, on one of our previous pro podcasts, I talked about two people in my squadron. One had so much mm -hmm. ability. And then there was another one that didn't have quite as much, but worked his butt off and became was I, I believe became so much better than, then yeah. he, he then then I think he would have been, but he put forth that effort, and that's what we, I think. Like I said, I think I mine was kind of a maybe not the way you would have done it, but it was a, an end around run to say. Well, look, we didn't know this. That talent, you know, we didn't know this stuff. It, it used yeah. to be the opposite. It was hammer on, uh, and the, you know, hammer on the 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 uh, the ability, and just like like really praise that. And I'm not, look, you need praise in the training environment. You have to praise, but what I'm saying is, is praise the process and effort, not the inborn talent and inborn ability. That's that you got to give praise, yes. but just know what you're praising. 
as as an instructor that's really really important if you want to again the question was how do you train an elite mindset this is how and this is this is science there's science behind it it's not voodoo it's science we know this so you know and people grow at, at different rates people do there's like the learning plateaus and 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 everybody you know Everybody's going to grow at their own rate. Yes, there are standards that you kind of have to keep people in. There are expectations. You know, you've got to be able to grow at a certain pace, um, or you're not going to be able to keep up. But but there are there's going to be variance, um, and you need to understand that there's a consolidation phase. There's you you grow you plateau like you say consolidate, and which allows you to to build that up so you can grow again. Yes, and, um, it's not a steady slope. It it isn't a constant slope. The, yeah. There will be pauses, like you say, plateaus, consolidation, whatever term you want to use. You have to have that. Growth is an intentional process of learning and application. Yep. We can grow by accident, you know, as a result of like, you know, falling short. Um, but I, I pursue intentional learning and growth and accept that accidental learning and growth, it just happens when it occurs. But it's much better to be intentional. Um, and I think as an instructor, we want to pursue intentional learning and growth. You do have to address areas of weakness. That That's okay. It's not just like, oh, everything's great. You know, you really worked hard. You no, Yes, you, you did work hard. And this is where things are weak that we need to address. I mean, that's just part of the process. So that's like, I mean, and then there's, you know, you got to understand signs of success. You got to be able to look for that. There's, I mean, what's a quick, what's a quick, easy, okay, here's a good one. This is, this is something that I think is um, really important. There's something called, you know, E plus R equals O, event plus response equals outcome. One way to help clients uh, with determining kind of where they're at, where their mindset is, is there's a, in sports psychology, there's a, a, a concept that we use a lot and I use it with aviation all the time is light signals. What are your light signals? If you think about a light, what, what are the lights we got? We got green light. We got yellow light. We got red light. Green light is go, right? Things are good. Everything's smooth. No issues. That's a green light. Yellow light is okay. There, there may be an issue here. Red light is full stop. And we get in situations, uh, in ourselves and our students can get in situations where they are, um, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's it's starting to fall apart, sometimes it has gone off the rails. And helping students understand, and helping instructors be able to identify where a student is, is helping them understand where are you, what 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 and what are your signals as to where you are. So if you think about like, and there's three kind of tells in terms of determining your light signals, your body language, and you can see it with students. So think about like when they're, everything's good. I mean, where, what do you think that student's body language looks like when things are good? Usually relaxed and yeah. open. Or you don't see people's mm-hmm. arms crossed or, right. uh, you know, their jaws are not clenched or yep. they're not looking down, their shoulders they're not, not death, death gripping you know, the yoke, yeah. you know, they're just, they're, they're present. Yeah. They're, 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 they're just engaged in the process of what's happening. Now, when things start to fall apart, 
what does the body language look like? I mean, just imagine you're sitting in the exact opposite. It's all tensed. It's it's you see him squirming. Yep. You know, or non-responsive, or starting to shut down. Yep. 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 That's another one. But there's there's a change that happens. You see that, and then when it's It's full physical, like you say, it's very it's totally. If you can't, as an instructor, you need to know that because those can be danger signs, huge danger signs. Uh, time. If you don't recognize those things, uh, you need to start. You're not looking. You got to pay attention. You're not interpreting what you see. Right. Very well. And then red light full stop is just totally closed off. Right. I mean, like shut down. It's almost like the, the, the depressive stance of just like, you know, oh, like leaned over. It's almost palm. like letting go of the yoke and just go. Yeah. Back. It's like just resignation, you know, just shut. Just that's it. Full stop. So there's body language. Focus. When we're focused, where is our focus when we're green light? There's real good science on this. What's in front of you? Yep. That's it. You are focused on exactly what you're doing. You're not focused on, you know, uh, anything but what's happening, process orientation. When it's starting to to go yellow, they're starting to do the dangers. What's happening with the focus? It's becoming distracted. Starting to get wrapped around the axle a little bit. We're, you know, the guys starting to stare at the light, uh, the landing gear light instead of flying the the plane. Remember that Eastern crash that went to the Everglades? Like, you know, they they just got totally derailed with their attention and where they were focusing. Now, when it's a full-blown red light, where's the focus? I'll tell you what, in the training environment, here's where it is, instructor. When they are solely flying for your approval, that's a red light. There's, there's a lack of commandability. There's like, they're just totally concerned that, that you're watching what you're seeing. Are you happy as the instructor? Are you happy with what they're seeing, um, with what they're doing? They're, they're just trying to work the outcome They're They've lost the process and they're just trying to figure out how do I pass? How do I pass? How do I pass? Or they're waiting for input or waiting for input. Um, one of the things that I would say is for focus as, as an instructor, Ask yourself, what would at whatever moment you are in that training point, whether it's flying an ILS or taking off, where would your focus be? And look and go, is that is your students' focus where you they yeah. should be focusing on? You know, are they focusing on their instruments uh, uh, when they should be, or, or are they just are they not? But I'm talking about. But let me just reel you in here. We're talking about red light. When the no, focus, I, was about, I was including yeah. yellow and red because you can right. yellow and red. Well, yellow goes to red, right? Yeah. But when they are when they are not focusing on what they're doing and they're focusing on outcome orientations, and that includes does the instructor approve of what I'm doing? They've yeah. lost it. That's red, they're in a red light place and they need to get back to green because don't fly don't fly for the instructor fly for you it's your flight it's your training event but when you're just focusing i mean i was talking to a, a um a guy named Roy Liggett last night Roy Liggett for those that are united airlines pilots Roy was a chief pilot back in the do you know Roy oh yeah, yeah. Roy, I know I him and i know it was i know his son too his son right. flies right i don't know his son but i know Roy really well i mean yeah. Roy and i have outstanding relationship yeah he's a wonderful guy he does so much to help the pilots and Bella's chief pilot yeah he called me last night he's 81 and um we were just 
just checking in. We were just chatting a little bit. And he said when he would uh, instruct, when he would do, you know, he would in the training center, he would go in to the classroom with his pilots and he would write F T F A on the, on the board. And he'd just write it down on the board, wouldn't discuss it. And he would start talking and they'd kind of, de- they'd sort of brief what's going on. And as Roy, you know, he's got that, r- that gruff voice. Yep. He's so great. I just, he's such an incredible person. And, and he would say, okay, well, let's go get some coffee, you know, before we, before we get in the sim. And they would say, well, Roy, what you wrote that on the board that we didn't cover that. And he goes, oh yeah. Well, what do you think that stands for? And they'd look at it and they thought, I don't know. Like, like FTFA. Fly the freaking airplane. Fly the freaking airplane. That's all I'm going to leave you guys with. And he said sometimes that would like, it would get into that. You know, they would get it. But other times it's like they would start to stray from that. And he would he'd be sitting in the, in the instructor seat in the sim and he'd say, hey, guys, remember what I wrote on the board? What's going on here? Like, oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, let's, okay, you, you, you focus on this. I'll focus on that, right? Because you can get distracted. Or if they start worrying about what he's thinking as the evaluator. And what, what I was, we were talking about this. I mean, Roy doesn't, he's not thinking about elite mindsets and all this stuff. You know, this is just practical things. But that's really what he was doing, was keeping them into an elite mindset which is stay in the process. Do not worry about the, the, just the inborn talent. Worry about your effort. Worry about your effort. So we're talking about light signals. Body language, focus. Know where you are. Know where your students are. I think as an instructor, if they start trying to worry about what you're thinking, they're in a yellow or going to red pretty quick. Got to get them out of that. It's your flight, guys and gals. Take control. Um, and then the last is self-talk. How, how are you talking to yourself? Now, when you're in green, how do you talk to yourself when you're in green? What do you think? Uh, well, I've seen, I've seen the gambit with that. But for you, just reflect on I your mean, own experience. When things I, I are good. More, I'm, I'm, when things are good, I'm pretty quiet. You're when quiet. There's no event. There's nothing going yeah. on. You're, you're, just, you're just doing what's in front of you. You're just doing what's in front of you. How about yellow? Yellow, I'm I'm I start going, you know, I it's like I, I usually am I don't know how to say this, but I'm usually kind of aware when I'm not quite mm-hmm. where I need to be. And I start saying, okay, you know, it's like Carl, you know, I f- focus on the, you know, uh whatever whatever maybe hey, you know, we're in your airspeed or or hey, your altitude control. I mean, I'm, it's like I'm talking to myself yeah. and, and kind of reassure myself, hey just get back to where you know you can be because you've done it for so long. It's for my sure. way of kind of getting me with, it's like I'm the instructor to myself. But, but here's the thing. Of course, we're professional aviators, right? We know how to do this, but, and it's not about, I'm always in green. No, you're, nobody's always in green. Uh, uh, we all go into yellow and we all go into red. And anybody that says that they don't is full of shit. Oh, yes, you do. Cause you have a human brain. So when I'm, when I'm tired, when my, Watch how so, fast they when you're tired, like on a long haul flight, watch how fast you go to red. You go to red super quick. So yep. self, so the self-talk, I, certainly for me and what I observe with my clients, um, is when we start to become oriented on the outcome, when we start to become 
uh, self-critical, critical of others, is we're getting into a yellow and, and, and possibly going into red. Look, this is you've got to determine what your signs are for that. But this is a way to determine and think about the stall. We talk about the stall is like the, you know, the, it's sort of like the most important analogy of anything. If you don't know you're stalling, you can't recover. And your attempts to recover are going to be paradoxical. You're going to be, or are going to be like, get you into a worse situation. You're going to be pulling really hard when actually you need to push. And it's Air the same France. with this. Yeah, exactly. Three minutes sitting in a stall, not understanding they're in a stall. And look, it happens. It's not because they were just terrible pilots and didn't know that it's it's a very confusing up there. If you don't know what's going on and you get some adrenaline and you get fear and you get uh, late at night and you get fatigue and you get all sorts of other factors in there, it, it, this this happens. And it's the same thing with decompensating in the in the simulator is, you know, instructors see it all the time. It goes to hell fast. And what happened? It's the mental game. At this level, you know what you're doing. It's not like, you know, you know, fundamentals aren't there. No, when it goes to hell is they lost the process. They got into a red and they couldn't recover because, you know, they did, didn't have the, the tools to figure out how to recover with that. This is a mental game. I don't care what anybody says. It's a mental game. And so. Back to mindset. Like you said, it's back to mindset. And, you know, knowing your light signals or knowing the light signals of your students is really important. Are you, are you green? Are you yellow? Are you red? And it's going to happen, but you've got to be able to figure out how to get your way back. So let's reverse engineer it now. Let's say I'm in a red light with my body language. Well, how can I fix it? Well, change your body language, right? You start getting freaked out, start getting scared because you're like, oh my God, this is going bad, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of feeling over my head. Sit up straight relax your your muscles get your jaw loose right I think we talked about on the on one of the recent ones where i, I wiggle my toes it's kind of yeah. hard to keep your hands clenched on a the yoke when you're you know, hold you're hold the it. pencil like yeah. this because you can't death grip it right start just use trim try to fly let go let go see what it does do a lot of letting go and you're like okay i'm keep because what you're doing is you're sending the signal to your brain i don't need adrenaline because there's no freeze fighter run here I, you can reverse engineer this thing. Your brain talks to your body, but your body actually can talk back to the brain. So when you relax your muscles, it tells your brain, I don't need adrenaline and it shuts the adrenaline off. And so that's the body language. Focus, focusing is a flashlight. Where you, where you focus your attention is where your energy goes. And if you find that's, that's Roy, what he was talking about, you know, FTFA, if your focus starts to become off of the airplane, and getting into like other things, you need to re-establish where you're pointing the beam. That's in many respects, that's pretty simple. The hardest part is just knowing when you've lost focus. If you're focusing on the instructor, whether they're approving or not, you're, you're getting into yellow and red. You need to go, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to focus on what I'm doing. Forget him or her. Forget the instructor. I'm going to, this is my airplane. This is my flight. This is my training event. I'm going to do this uh, for me. That's refocusing your attention into the process. And the process is better than the outcome. And the self-talk, if you're, if you're going, oh, oh shit, you know, I'm here we go again. Uh, or whatever self-talk you start to give yourself, judging yourself, judging others, becoming distracted with like, you know, 
even some people get giddy when they're starting to lose it. And so change the way that you're talking to yourself around that to get yourself out of the, the, the red into the yellow, back to the green. So that's just like, hopefully that's a good, there's a lot more to this, but, but I think these are practical. I hope that's a practical application that an instructor can, can take um, and start to apply and start to play around with and have some fun with it. Like enjoy this and even like talk to your students a little bit about it. I think that you'll, you'll be surprised with the result that you can, you can yield out of it. I've got a quick comment and then a question for you. The comment is when you were talking about when uh, there's a weakness or a less than optimum result is so much of how you approach it can help define what occurs afterwards. And what I mean by that is don't be, don't, don't make your comments destructive, make them constructive. Yes. Because if, you know, tearing the person down and saying, God, that really sucked or you sucked as an example, what have you accomplished? You haven't done anything. Nothing. But, Nothing. but constructive is where you take it and go, okay, well, like I said, we did, that didn't work out quite the way you thought, but look at, look how, look at all the tools that you learned and what the things you can do with it. And, and in here, how can we make it better? And so, you know, you're taking it as a, again, back to that learning moment. So that again, also helps with the mindset so that the person doesn't feel like, God, I, they already don't feel great about it. And you just made them feel worse. Yeah. Versus if it, making them go, you know what? Boy, talk about the yeah. silver lining. Thank you. I agree. I mean, I think, you know, and I tell my clients, listen, if kicking you in the ribs would help, I'll come over and kick you in the ribs, but it's not going to help. So look, if you just think they suck and you're pissed because they suck, that's fine. You can do that, whatever. It doesn't matter. But your job is to help them improve and berating them and browbeating them and telling them that they're crap isn't going to help them. And spending all your time debriefing the errors is like the stupidest thing you can do in terms of cognitive science of how people learn. You address the error, you provide the corrective action, and you move on quickly. You celebrate all of the stuff that they did correct because that gets into the self-image. And there's three pillars. Maybe this we'll talk about this next uh, next week. There's three pillars of performance. There's what you think about, there is your muscle memory, what you don't think about, and there is your self-image. And the self-image is that's like me. What What is the image you have of yourself? And if your self-image is busted up, it doesn't matter how much experience you have. It doesn't matter how great your ability to concentrate is. If your self-image sucks, your performance is going to be terrible. And this is with the highest level elite athletes, elite CEOs, elite pilots. If your self-image is crap, you're done. And so you've got to learn how to integrate the good things. And good instructors, I mean, I was used to think like of students that like they make one mistake and it, well, A is they just don't recover or that's all they think about is the mistake they made when they did for every one mistake they made, they had a hundred things that they did correctly yet they don't remember a single thing that they did correctly. All they do is focus on the mistake. And it's like, it, you know what? That makes you a weak pilot when you do that because you cannot, you have no mind strategies. So it's really, really important um, that you, you continue to help students um, work on their self-image and work on 
making sure that that's intact uh, while being able to give them the active directive corrections that they need in order to to progress. And and to, to put an exclamation point on that, your job is to be an instructor. If you're if you're basically tearing them down, where is the instruction in that? Just think about it. How are you instructing them when all you're doing is basically, you know, berating them on how bad they did? Yeah. Um, the question I wanted to ask you, mm. and, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier when you said this is, there's never been a time like this for the, the number of pilots that are needed. And like you say, we'll talk about ab initio and stuff like that in the future. But it does beg the, it, it, the, it does, um, fit into this conversation because not only are the pilots going that are flying for uh, the a regional or a, a mm -hmm. corporate or a major airline mm -hmm. really young, so are the instructors. Mm -hmm. The so the a lot of times the instructors that are doing the instructing are are not much further along in the in the in the experience category than yep. the students that are teaching. Yeah. So, I mean, it used uh, to be with the primary instruction, you know, private instrument commercials, the joke was it's, you know, first graders teaching kindergartners. Um, it's actually now moved up into the professional level is very inexperienced. It's like first graders teaching kindergartners. Now, yes, they're at a higher level and they've got more experience, but it's unprecedented. And yeah. so it's really important. You can't just rely on muscle memory. You know, every instructor's got 20,000 hours and every pilot's got 10,000 hours. It's more and more important now than ever that um, people are, that the, the instructors and the pilots are training the mental game versus just relying on the amount of muscle memory and experience that they have. The, the question I was going to ask you is this, and that is beyond what you've talked to them about, what would you, if they, to help them on their own personal quiet time, what would be a good, uh, what would be something that would be good for them to read? You know, any books you would recommend? Any other things outside of it? When it especially when it comes to mindset now, we're talking about mindset. Um, Anything that you would want to throw out there right now? or do Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Uh, I mean, there's Mindset by Carol Dweck. I mean, that's like probably the most important book you could read uh, on mindset. There's Mind Gym by Gary Mack. There's uh, the 80-20 principle by Richard uh, Koch, that covers mindset. Heads Up Baseball, Ken Revesa, that book changed my life. The Mental Game of Baseball by Harvey Dorfman. I mean, this is sports, but you know, I come from a baseball, you know, background. Um, uh, uh, One Word by John Gordon. I mean, there, there's, I got a huge library of books on mindset, but I always just start with Carol Dweck. That's pivotal, and it's research based. It's not, you know like anecdotal it's science and i think it's important to use the science um start with carol dweck mindset cool yeah all right maybe we'll uh, cover that but maybe we'll do a book review yeah i think we that. we've talked about doing that in the you know yeah, every now do and then do book reviews yeah if people help, want help it people. let us know if you want a book yeah. review i can summarize a book so you don't have to read it um I can give you because I've read them tons of times and I got tons of notes and I can give you the Matt McNeil, the Klepster. <laughs> <laughs> He'll clep anything for you. Pretty much. <laughs> well, so anyways, enough of that.
what would be your one takeaway from today that you want people to have? Easy, man. Praise the effort, not the talent. That's the takeaway. There's data behind it. And because that is growth, not fixed. Short, sweet, and to the point. That's it. Just like, just like us. Just like me. Short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> oh, my God. I, there is so much in that. I know. Don't go I there. Got, Don't there, do it. Hey, Don't there's do a it. podcast in just that one sentence. <laughs> you have no idea. No, no idea. Yes. Right so, here. <laughs> you know, we can get, it doesn't take much to get down rabbit holes for us, Mm-mm. but in, but as you can see, there's so much depth to these things that uh, it, it, whether it's, it's questions from our, our list, uh, our listeners or things that we talk about to, uh, on any given topic. Yeah. And um, we appreciate you listening. Please keep these kind of questions coming in. Cause as you can see, we do respond to them and we don't give them just a 30-second um, response. So we thank you for sending them in. Please have them uh, uh, keep coming. The um, email address is podcast at lifteffect.com. Also, hit the like button. Share it with your friends. Uh, that uh, We want to keep growing our listener base and reaching more people that need to hear what we have to offer. And we thank you. On behalf of Matt and myself, We look forward to seeing you on the next Lift Effect podcast. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Lift Effect podcast. If you want to dive deeper into this episode and every episode, go to our website, lifteffect.com forward slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show, we would love it if you'd follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your support. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all with the ID Matthew McNeil. This show is brought to you by Lift Effect, a clinical mental health and consulting company that assists air carriers, corporate flight departments, pilot unions, and commercial pilots by providing comprehensive psychotherapy and mental skills coaching services to pilots with mental health and mental performance related issues. Visit lifteffect.com That's L-I-F-T-A-F-F-E-C-T dot com to book your free consultation. And finally, this podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of counseling, psychotherapy, medicine, or any other healthcare service, including the giving of medical advice. No therapeutic or provider-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional psychological advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining advice for any psychological or medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Lift Effect podcast.